0: threw that one into the Wayback Machine. How many of you remember that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul? Your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few of you. Okay, some of you may be a little new, but, uh, but I remember that one in my youth ministry days. So, hey, bringing it back to the forefront, that's pretty awesome. If you have a copy of God's Word in print or digital form, would you take it? Join me in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. If you've not been with us, we have been going throughout this month talking about, learning about this biblical understanding of love. And, you know, it's the month of February and it's Valentine's Day. Guys, that's this Wednesday. Heads up, you're welcome. Just trying to keep you, you know, being able to sleep inside and all those good kind of things that happen. So um, if you miss it, don't blame the preacher, okay? Okay. But uh, we, we've come at this, though, about how we, we love one another and how um, this relationships that we engage in in the life of the church and outside the, the doors and the walls of this facility and the people that we come in contact with. And loving people is a challenge. And it's not only a challenge, it's a calling. And that calling is, is required of every person who calls himself a follower of Christ, a Christian. And so each week, we've kind of started, I don't want to say necessarily at the bottom, but we've kind of stacked these challenges on top of one another. And The first week, it was love your neighbor, and neighbor goes beyond the person that I share a fence with, and the people that live next door to me. It's actually everybody I engage. And so I love my neighbors. Last week, we stacked one a little more difficult on top of that, on loving your enemies. Maybe those who um, are challenging for us to love. Maybe those that we've had a a tiff with for a while and there's just some challenges there. A coworker or uh, someone else that we um, have engaged in and there's just no love lost there in a sense and how we love them. And then now we stack another one on top of that today and I think it's kind of the most difficult one if I'm completely honest with you and that is to love our Families and our family members. A friend of mine who's a pastor in the Panhandle now, we served on staff together for about five years, and he made a statement, and it was so true then, it's true now, and it's one that I've kind of begun to use and to say, and I know he would welcome you to use it as well if it is a description that fits you, but he would say this, family is messy, Family's messy. Family's a challenge. Maybe you have heard family referred to as like being kind of like fudge, you know, mostly sweet, but there are a few nuts, right? I mean, you, you, is it me? I mean, surely that might describe your family a little bit. I hope you're not the nut. I hope you're the sweet part of the fudge there, but man, man family's challenging, it's tough. Family relationships are messy, they're complicated, and loving our families at times is challenging. If not, straight up, we're just honest with one another, difficult. Maybe it is easier to love my enemies than it is to love my family, I don't know. But loving difficult family members requires intentionality. It requires a heavy dose of grace, right? But you can only do that. Uh, You can only love those challenging, difficult family members when you prioritize your relationship with Jesus, number one, and first, and then you learn to be obedient to his ways of doing things, his ways of loving people. Any country music fans in the house this morning? few of you okay more on this side than this side we'll learn about this side one day Casey Musgraves released a song back in 2015 called family is family it's a relatable country tune you might go listen to it later today and I think for those of you who maybe would say you know pastor I I live in and I have a less than picture perfect family If that's you, it's it's a relatable tune. Musgraves sings in her song these words, You might look just like them, but that don't mean you are like them, but it does mean you love them. And So our story, our text this morning in Luke 15, for some of you, is going to be a familiar one. Others, maybe it's new. Maybe it's different for you. But the story we're going to read is is often looked at through the lenses of acceptance and forgiveness, and all of that is accurate, and all of that is very true and a good way to look at this story. But I want us to kind of take a different bent to it a little bit. And Look at this story through these lenses of this familiar love, this love for our families, especially in challenging situations and difficult family members. Would you stand in honor of reading God's Word, Luke chapter 15. We're going to move through different portions of this passage, so just follow along on the screens. We'll read it together. And he, Jesus, said, "...a man had two sons." The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. But when he came to his senses, he said... How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, "'Your brother has come.'" And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he came angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open. Find your listening notes just inside your worship guide as we learn about loving our families from this incredible story and the text that we have read. And a few fill in the blanks for us as we journey together. The parable, if you are familiar with this story, is known as the prodigal son. And in this story, we find three main characters, a younger son, an older son, and a dad. And so I want to give you three points, uh, one from each of these family members about how we love our families and the illustration that is presented and painted for us this morning by each of these characters and so, loving our families, first we have to remember that we are called to number one, love the prodigals who return. Now, I thought about that later this morning. I thought, well, we love the prodigals even if they don't return. But in the story, this prodigal comes home. But we have to, in our family relationships, love the prodigals who, re- who return. I think it's worth noting here at the beginning. And understanding the full context of the parable of the prodigal son. Sometimes we pull out stories or we pull out texts. But it's important to connect them to the rest of the conversation and the dialogue that is happening. At the beginning of Luke chapter 2, the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling with Jesus and giving him a very difficult time because, well, he receives sinners and he eats with them. We read that in verse 2 of Luke 15. So they're challenging him on this. They have a problem with the way that he is doing things. And Jesus responds to these individuals by giving them three parables, three stories, three illustrations that each emphasize then God's love for and his active pursuit of all prodigals. And so if God loves those who would reject him, if God loves those who would walk away from him or wander away, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we love the prodigals in our family? Do we actively go out of our way to reach out to those family members who are prodigals? Do we actively go out of our way to reach out to those family members who really want nothing to do with you or me? Or do we just write them off? Do we leave them off the Christmas list card that we're going to send to all the rest of the family but not to that one Do we treat individuals, prodigals in our family like caricatures? The people that we talk about when we gather together, the people we debate over, but we never truly love them. We never express real love to them, oh, they're a family member, but it's that prodigal family member, you know, the one who left the one who wants nothing to do with us? Yeah, that one. Henry Nowen wrote a book. He's a great theologian. It was called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And here's what he says. When the younger son was no longer considered a human being by the people around him, he felt the profundity of his Isolation. The deepest loneliness that one can experience. Now and says he was truly lost, and it was this complete lostness that brought the prodigal son to his senses. Think about it the reckless, wayward family member who had spent all that he had been given, none of it he had earned on his own, it was a portion of his inheritance. By the sweat of his brow of his father, he blows it. And now more than ever, he is in need of the love of his family. And it penetrates his heart and his mind, and he says, there's one place I can go back to, and it's home." You know any family members like that? Does your family have any prodigals that if maybe they were loved even though they didn't express that love back to you, even though maybe they didn't want anything to do with you for a long time, would would they come home if you loved them like this dad loved his son? Perhaps, if you're honest with yourself today, you feel more like the prodigal son in your family. I mean, you've rejected God. You want nothing to do with him. You've rejected your family, and perhaps you feel shame anytime you think about your past, anytime you recall a family member or a loved one. There's good news for all the prodigals in the house today. Jesus extends the invitation to every prodigal to come home, to follow me, to receive me, to be restored unto me. No matter your past, no matter your present, nothing can disqualify you from answering Jesus' call to be a disciple, prodigal or not. And despite how your family might have treated you, God loves you more than you realize in this moment. And there's even better news today. This church family welcomes all prodigals home. So that's you, then we love the prodigals who return. But you see, there's an older brother in this story. So that means we're also called to love the prideful who remain. So we have these family members that are difficult and challenging, and they distance themselves from us from time to time. But we love those prodigals even when they don't return love to us. But we also love the prideful who are still at home. (laughs) The prideful who remain. The story tells us that we read a moment ago that the older son was rather upset when he finds out about the party. Wade Bearden wrote a book that is titled My Friend Who Left the Faith. And in that book, he says, we call this story the parable of the prodigal son, but really we should call it the parable of the prodigal sons, plural. Because you see, it is possible to be a prodigal and never leave home. It's possible to be completely disconnected with God and go through all the motions. The loyal son who had remained by his father's side, he holds himself in high regard now. And he looks down upon the younger son with disdain. And I think... The older son has this idea that his sin doesn't stink. He has this idea because he's very religious. I didn't go anywhere. I stayed by dad's side. I did the hard work. You left. You shouldn't get anything. And you sinned what the older brother doesn't realize realize is, yes, the younger brother smells like a pig. (laughs) He does. Scripture tells us that in the story that he finds himself basically in the pig pens, eating food alongside the pigs. He's going to smell like the pigs when he comes home. But the prodigal who came back, who returned, smelled like a, a pig. The prodigal who remained smelled like pride. And he reeked of it. I mentioned in week one in this service that sometimes we give more grace to the people we work with than with the people we live with. I mean, think about it for a moment. If someone messes up at work, we say, hey, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Do better next time. Be more careful next time. But oh man, if you mess up at home, We say, What is wrong with you? You better not let that happen again. You see the difference? Not a lot of grace in those words. And when Jesus rattles off all three of these parables in a row that each emphasize the celebration of bringing into God's kingdom those who are formerly lost. He is critiquing a group of people, and he is critiquing the religious leaders who felt like by their good deeds that they were already in good standing with God, with the dad, and it felt wrong to associate with these lowly people and these sinful people. You see, my sin doesn't smell, but yours does. And I think one of the aims of any parable is to place the intended audience in the shoes of the characters in the story. And I think we tend to focus on the younger brother and what he did. He gets a lot of attention. He made a lot of mistakes. We acknowledge that. But really, the older brother is the focus of the story, the focus of the parable. If you recall the audience and the context that Jesus is speaking this to, Jesus is aiming this parable to the hearts of the pious religious leaders, letting them know that they are not as righteous as they think they are. That they're not holier than thou. And so he's trying to help them understand that there is a difference That physical proximity to the things about God are not at all the same things as the proximity to God. And we have to be careful that we're not the older brother. Jesus is showing the religious leaders that just as the older brother ignores the father but values what he can get from his dad, Because he would get two-thirds of the inheritance. He's the older brother. So the younger got his one-third. There's two-thirds waiting for him. He knows he's going to get this from his dad, and that's what he wants. I wonder if we do the same and have the same relationship with God like a genie and a lamp. I've stayed. I've been faithful. I've given. Now give me what I'm owed. And instead of celebrating the fact that there were prodigals coming into the kingdom, this brother and the prideful would rather grumble about the the fact that Jesus was associating with stinky people, (laughs) with those sorry family members that we all have. Again, Henry Now and he wrote a book called "Home Tonight Reflections," and it's all about this parable of the prodigal son, and he says that it is easy to place the elder brother in a bad light without reflecting on how often we are more like him than we think. When the younger brother comes home and he comes back, the father welcomes him, throws a party and a fiesta and a celebration. But you see, the older brother knows something in that moment. and says that the older brother realizes that that party is what he's paying for. That party is money out of his pocket that he would have gotten in an inheritance. Instead, his dad blew it on a prodigal. You see. There's a little bit of resentment there. Maybe a lot. It's a very subtle way for Jesus to begin to show these Pharisees that they were acting like the older brother pious, prideful, yet still a prodigal. Are you the older brother in your family? Not by age, (laughs) I have two older brothers. Not by rank, but by the actions of the older brother in the story. Are you a prideful prodigal? But there's one other person in our story as we prepare to close. And we're called to be more like him than anyone else. And we're called to love like a papa who restores. A dad who An Abba, a father. Dad wants to have a party. And he wants both prodigals to participate. Tim Keller passed away last year, but he wrote a book called The Prodigal God. And in that book he says it is often easy to relate to the younger son as he illustrates how God receives us even after we fall away from him. However, it takes a bit more work to realize that we are also often in the position of the older, elder brother. And what is even harder to understand, Keller says, is that God pursues both of them. That the loving father in this family pursues both sons. Dallas Willard said, love is not a faucet to be turned on or off at will God himself doesn't just love me or you when we do right, when we remain and we do all the things we're supposed to. God loves us even when we do wrong because God is love. It's his identifying marker. It explains to us why God can love individuals even when they stink differently than I do, even when he's not pleased with them, Paul would say that we are to be imitators of God as beloved children, ones who walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you. So we're called to be enablers of love to all God's people and God's creation, neighbors and enemies alike. We choose to love our neighbors. We're challenged to love our enemies. But we were created to love our families. And I'll tell you what, even loving all those nuts in your family. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the reminder of this story today. And I pray for every prodigal in this room. And those watching online, those who identify with the younger brother and those who identify with the older brother. Lord, this church family welcomes prodigals home, that they might return to you, declare you as their Lord and Savior, seek your forgiveness. But Father, we also pray for those pridefully who have remained and maybe with disdain, have looked down on those who have left, family member or friends alike. God, we would also confess our need for forgiveness in the way that we've treated you or treated a family member, just thinking you're a genie and demanding something from you, expecting it in return. When you gave us everything on the cross, You gave us everything through an empty tomb. It's more than enough. And so, Lord, I pray for those here today who, family's messy. It's difficult. It's challenging. Lord, would you help us to be like the Father in the story in all of our families? Those who seek to restore, those who seek to extend grace love, throw a party for every prodigal. God, may it become the defining marker of our homes. As you pray where you're at, in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing, and some of our staff will be across the front available to you, ready to receive and pray with you. Maybe if you need someone to pray with you, this altar is also open to do so. Maybe you have a decision to make, but if you're more comfortable in a more private setting, you can make your way even now to an area in the foyer called Next Steps where some counselors and other staff are ready to receive you, pray with you. you have a public decision to receive Jesus today, to to come and be baptized and take that step of obedience, to say, I'm going to join my family with this church family. We're going to go on this journey of struggle and faith and learning together. Or maybe God's calling you out in special service and ministry or missions, and it's time to say yes to that calling on your life. My friends, whatever decision you have today, staff at the front, folks at the next steps in the foyer, we're ready to help you on that walk. Maybe this afternoon it's time to call that family member, and if they don't answer, leave a voicemail. If they don't respond to that text, text tomorrow. Tell them you love them, you're thinking about them. You would welcome them home. Father, thank you for welcoming us back when we have failed you. Thank you for your forgiveness when we have sinned against you. And Lord, would you help us to love our families well. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together, let's sing. You have a decision, you come now.